doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today's special guest is Leah Collins. And we're going to be talking about, mm -hmm, yep, you guessed it from the title, financial compatibility, dating, marriage, money, and so much more. Hey, y'all. How you doing? Welcome to them coins. This is your first time. Welcome, welcome. Um, I know many of you are probably listening to this on Thanksgiving uh, weekend holiday extravaganza with your turkey and your, oh, my favorite, mac and cheese. Oh, my word. Mm, mm, mm. If, you, if I give you guys a P.O. box, will you send me some mac and cheese? Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I hope you all are spending time with your loved ones, getting some much-needed rest, recharging, and whatnot. And today's episode will not disappoint. So today we are talking to Miss Leah Marie Collins. Now, who is Leah? Leah Marie Collins, a.k.a. The Millennial Money Mentor helps people achieve financial independence by teaching them the art of managing their money in a fun and simple way. And her mission is to empower people through financial education in order to build wealth for themselves and future generations. Now, what makes Leah's story super interesting is that she uh, recently had to call off an engagement because her and her now ex were not financially compatible. This is a topic that I feel is so important that we do not talk enough about. You know, as you are dating when you're younger, it's all about chemistry, right? It's all about that chemistry compatibility, right? And then as you usually get a little more seasoned in your faith, you're like, okay, this person has to be spiritually compatible with me. And they also got to have the chemistry, right? We have to be physically attracted to each other. But how often do we talk about financial compatibility? Do we want the same financial goals? Where can we compromise? We're going to talk about this and so much more. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. All right. Hello and welcome, Dem Coins family. We have another very special guest, Miss Leah Collins. Hello, Leah. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Good. I am so excited to talk to you and learn more about your story. And so we're going to roll it back. We're going to take it back to your life um, working for, you know, fortune 500, um, companies and, uh, working with uh, corporate finance. And so how did you get started in that field? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Funny story. I was one of those people who had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I went into college changing my major, like every six months <laughs> I started <laughs> I started off in radio, TV, and film. Then I was undecided. And I changed it a few times after that. 
So going into my junior year, my dad told me, if you don't figure out what you're going to do, I'm not paying for you to go back to college. So <laughs> I just picked a major. I picked finance <laughs> because my mom was a finance major. I'm like, all right, well, it worked out for her. Hopefully it'll work out for me. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's how I ended up in finance. <laughs> and I did finance, but I was also going to, I knew I wanted to go to law school, but in order to go to law school, you have, you still have to have like an undergrad degree, right? So I picked finance, but I always um, planned on doing law. But then after I graduated undergrad and saw all the student loans I had, I, I decided I was not going to law school <laughs> to get any more um, student loans. So yeah, I did finance. And then later I went back to school uh, and got my MBA. And then with the finance degree, I started working at Lockheed Martin pretty much right out, right out of school. And I did finance for them and audit. And then I went to Deloitte um, worked there for three years doing audit as well and consulting. And then now I'm back at um, Lockheed Martin. I still work there um, and do my, my side businesses. Nice. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yep. You, um, <laughs> you got pulled to the fire and like, well, I'll make a, a choice better than no choice. So let me just... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it works out, fortunately. Thank yeah. goodness. That is dope. So then, wow. So then you, you know, it works out, you know, you're working away through the ranks, you're working with major companies and you're working with their finances. And then when did the light bulb come on for you? You're like, wait, my own personal finances are in shambles. Like <laughs> when did the awareness come in? <laughs> yes. So in 2017, I had been working to reduce other companies' costs for about 15 years. I think it was about 15 years at that point. Um, 2017, I had made the most money I had ever made. And I was doing my taxes. And I was trying to figure out what I did with all that money. My savings hadn't increased. My investments hadn't increased. I had nothing to show for it. So at that point, I decided, okay, something has to change. Um, I don't. Have you heard of Dave Ramsey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right, of course, of course, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> um, that week at my church, they announced that they were going to be starting the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace Course, and that enrollment was coming up. So I enrolled in that, and then within um, 18 months, I paid out $40,000 worth of debt. I increased my credit score to over 800 and purchased investment property. And um, my life has been so much better since after paying I'm off sure. that, like, you know, yes, that comes with that. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. And then at that point I decided to help other people do the same. And that's when I launched um, my personal finance business, educating people and coaching people how to eliminate debt and invest and, and things of that nature. Awesome. Interesting. So, cause Dave is usually not, like an investment guy. So I also wonder where did the idea come for come from for the investment property part of it? Oh, um, <laughs> well, that was another accident. Okay. So how that happened is it's really an embarrassing story, actually. Um, you may want to edit this out. <laughs> I moved to DC. <laughs> I moved, so I was living in Dallas, working for Lockheed. Then I got the job at Deloitte and they wanted me to start within the month. So I moved to DC um, and I stayed with my aunt until I had time to find a place to stay. But I had this cat at the time. I still have him. His name is Butters. 
And my aunt told me, Butters cannot come stay with me. You have to figure something out. So I convinced my dad to watch Butters. And I was supposed to live with my aunt for about three months and then find my own place. But then I decided, you know, I like it here. <laughs> I'm not really paying that much of rent. So I'm just going to stay longer. Um, then there came a point where I had to, it was time for me to move out. So I started looking for apartments and they were very, very expensive. Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. is a very expensive place to live. So I thought, well, I might as well just get a house. Um, because my dad was tired of taking care of the cat and he was like, you need to come get this cat. So I said, okay, I'll just get a house. And that's how I ended up getting the the property. So initially it was a property just for me. And then when I decided, when I moved, when I decided to leave DC, I turned it into an investment property. Oh, yeah. So Butters (laughs) is to thank for the investment property. All right. (laughs) Because had it not been for Butters, I would have just stayed with my aunt for <laughs> Okay, well, shout out to Butters. <laughs> but when I when I was shopping around for the for the home, I always had it in the back of my mind that I don't want to be in DC forever. And I was always thinking, okay, how would this be a lucrative property later? So I was thinking about the access to public transportation. So in DC, most people take public transportation. So I wanted to make sure it was near a metro line, um, the subway. I wanted to make sure it was near bus lines. I wanted to make sure it was walking distance to a lot of different, you know, businesses and things like that. So in the back of my mind, I was always thinking about that. So when I did move, it was very, very easy to rent out that property. Gotcha. Okay. You got your investment property. You're doing the things, you know, you and Butters, y'all rocking out. Y'all doing the things. And I remember um, reading on your website that you had essentially kind of like acknowledged that, you know, I just kind of developed some bad spending habits, even though, you know, I had a really high income. And so I wonder what was the hardest sacrifice you had to make when paying off the debt? For me, it was probably eating out. But I was doing, yeah, I was doing the food delivery order from uber eats seriously breakfast lunch and dinner every uh-huh. single day that's my pain point too so you know mm-hmm. that's why i went oh i felt that yep <laughs> right right so i was eating um at home and then the other thing was probably travel um I told myself that I was not going on any trips unless it was a really close friend or family member's wedding. So those were the two biggest expenses that I cut out. Or unless there was a death, a wedding or a death. That was the only way I was traveling. Gotcha. Oh, cool. Okay. So yeah, so you rock and rolling. Debt is paid. Things are things a lot smoother. And then, you know, you meet a nice gentleman. Uh, mm-hmm. Get engaged. But then, you know, you got to cut it off, right? And so if you could walk us through that a bit about, you know, your reasoning on why you called it off and then we'll get into, you know, lessons learned and all that stuff. Okay. Well, there were many reasons we called it off, but one of the main reasons was due to financial incompatibility. I think going into getting engaged, we both made a lot of assumptions. We had actually been dating on and off for about 10 years. We had known each other for a very long time. And we made a lot of assumptions based on how money was managed when we were dating. And we just thought it would be similar. I think we both had different expectations on how that would look when we got married. Um, 
as far as money and also just like expectations as far as our roles in the household. He had certain expectations from a wife and I had certain expectations from a husband. Um, We come from different cultures. So a lot of that was cultural. He's Nigerian, I'm like black African-American. But really we just had, there were a lot of discussion, a lot of assumptions that we made, a lot of discussions that were had way too late. I tell people that premarital counseling I personally think that's too late to start having a lot of the discussions that come up um, during premarital counseling. I think I'm a strong advocate for pre-engagement counseling because for one, like there's just certain things you need to know before you decide (laughs) to move forward with someone. Like you need to know if they're for prenups or not for prenups. You need to know how many kids they want to have. If you're from different cultures, how are you going to raise those kids? If you're from different religions, you know, which religion are you going to go with as far as raising? There's just so many things that you need to know. Um, Do they lend, how do they feel about lending friends and family money? Things like that. Um, And then it's important to have it beforehand for that reason. And also studies show that once you're, once you get engaged, you're less likely to do an in-depth look into certain topics that will cause conflict. For one, you have already put money down the ring. You started planning the wedding. Money's been spent. We had already spent $40,000 on our wedding when we called it off. And then, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then there's also the social stigma, right? Like it's embarrassing telling people, that you're calling your wedding off or you're calling your engagement off. So because of that, people just press forward and get into something that they shouldn't get into. They're ignoring red flags and then they end up getting in a marriage and they're miserable and end up getting divorced anyway, which is way more expensive than just going to, to pre-engagement like financial counseling. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's why I, I commend you even more because to be engaged and to then have the, for lack of a better, to have, really to have the balls to be like, you know what? No, (laughs) that's so difficult. Oh my gosh. It's very, very difficult. Wow. Yeah. So then, hmm, yeah, because you said a lot in there. So pre-engagement counseling, now that is a new, you know, we always hear about premarital counseling. But pre-engagement counseling. So are there, so do you suggest kind of just going to regular counseling with your partner as you're dating and you're having those, you know, I think I want to spend the rest of my life kind of type of conversations or? Yeah, you should definitely start having those conversations um, early on. Some people say when you start getting serious, I think you should have it before you start getting serious because again, if you've been together a while, you you just don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste your time. Like I waited ten years. You can't get that back. Uh, <laughs> but there there's subtle ways to have those discussions. If you don't want to just come right out and ask initially, there's subtle ways to have those discussions and to bring it up. Um, for example, you can just talk about a vacation you're planning that you're saving for, you know, money can come up that way. You can talk about a new job you're looking for and, or maybe you just got a new job offer and you're trying to negotiate your salary. Maybe you can ask them for advice on that, or you can tell them you're looking for a house. Um, and then naturally like the, the conversation is going to turn to home ownership, the current state of the real estate market. There's always ways to bring it up subtly to gauge someone's money mindset. Yeah, I, you know, I really like that approach because, you know, you don't, 
men typically don't want to hear, oh, we need to talk, and, you know, and right. come with your right. uh, your last year of bank statements, your uh, your credit <laughs> score, come with your taxes for the balance <laughs> come with your student loan statement. <laughs> you know, no one wants to have that, but if you're just like, oh man, yeah, you know, I was, I was, you know, on Redfin the other day and I was just like looking at some homes and then you can just have a natural conversation and gauge where they're at. So it's not like this, really um sort of intrusive like hey right. like, <laughs> I like that and so you open up and tell them what you're doing currently so you can feel them a little bit <laughs> yeah right right no exactly it's a great way to gauge their their money mindset exactly that's so and so you also mentioned sort of you mentioned cultural differences as well like so I'm Ghanaian so <laughs> I'm also <laughs> African as well mm-hmm. <laughs> So I, I sometimes battle with, you know, the traditional sort of roles that, you know, I've been introduced to in my own household. And then also, you know, being born in America, it's totally different. So I wonder if you could expound on kind of like what some of those like cultural things were. Yeah, absolutely. Rectify those things if possible. Right. Okay. Um, (laughs) So one of the cultural things was just about how we handled disagreements between us. Um, He, so, okay, let me back up. Nigeria is more of a cult, uh, what is it? Collectivist society, Mm -hmm. whereas America is more individualistic. And what that means, collectivists, they're more about um, the community as a whole. There's more of a hierarchy there. Um, individualistic societies are more about the person, self-sufficiency. So how this would play out in our relationship, for example, if we had a a disagreement, a lot of times he would want to consult with the family. So he'd want to get our moms involved, the aunties involved and get everyone's opinion. And I just want to talk it out between the two of us. Yeah. Oh girl, I'm having flashbacks as you're talking. (laughs) (laughs) Another example is as far as our parents. So my parents are retired. If they need help, I, I help them. Don't get me wrong, but his culture, it's it's different. It's a little different. Um, a lot of them, and not just Nigerians, like a lot of people, a lot of immigrant families, really, mm-hmm. they 100% support their parents in retirement. They'll send money back to Mexico or Nigeria or just wherever they're from. They'll send money back to their families. And he, um, well, let me see. So uh, like I was saying, like Nigerians, a lot of them 100% um support their family. So that's another potential area, you know, of conflict. If you're not discussing those things up front and how that's going to look and work in your finances. Yeah, that is, <laughs> as I said, I was literally, I'm having flashbacks as you're talking about family conversation, <laughs> WhatsApp chat groups. And I just, oh, it is so challenging because you know, as, and again, it it goes, I find that this is a through line across all many immigrant families. Like you were saying, I see this with my Indian friends, with, you know, my African friends, like generally immigrants are like, your parents fought so hard for you to get here, whatever they asked for. Hey, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like that's exactly, exactly. But I mean, to your own detriment, I mean, yeah, 
how can you really build your own wealth for your own family? I mean, unless you're just making like just crazy, crazy amount amount of money. money. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I think, yeah, I think boundaries are super important. They're super important. But then I don't want to come in, you know, as the new fiance, new wife, changing, you know, what him and his parents have going mm-hmm. on, you know, because I don't want them to resent me and me, you know? Yeah. So there's there was just so much to balance and try to work out. And we we should have done that much sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, what's crazy is there's so many things that I'm realizing now were cultural. At the time, I couldn't figure out what was going on, why we couldn't see eye to eye on certain things. And every now and then I realized, oh, that's why. Like I'm still, you know, doing self-reflection and and analyzing the situation and realizing that so many of our issues actually had to do with cultural differences. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I (laughs) it's funny. I've I've kind of made it a point in my family to let it be known, like I'm not the person you call when such and such say they need money. Like I don't the two or the three like I just don't (laughs) but that's good setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. I just I don't and it it's sometimes challenging because my parents are both the oldest in their family so I do see Mm -hmm. that tug on them you know Mm -hmm. from back home and it's like you want to help them but like you helping them, it's like you helping like 50 other people. And it's like, right, oh, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's back to the whole community thing that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And if, and if it's mutual fair, like, you know, your parents like fine, but like a lot of these other people, they're not mutual with it. Like right. they'll just take your money. Who are you? For real. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, I also saw um, recently on your Instagram, you know, because there was that um, that red flags um, trend that was going on. (laughs) And I thought that was interesting. You had a couple like financial red flags. And so did you have any like favorite ones um, that you personally for you? You're like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not (laughs) I'm not playing with that. Um, with, with my relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In general. Um, well, one red flag, it wasn't with our relationship, but just in general. Um, I think it's very important for both partners to consider or be willing to go to counseling if there's an issue. And that's definitely a red, that's a deal breaker for me with anyone that I'm dating. If you're not willing to seek professional help, then we're not, <laughs> we can't move forward. Um, so I think that's a red flag. Another red flag is if someone just doesn't want to talk about their finances, that they don't want to be transparent, um, they're hiding things. Um, another red flag is someone who's just unwilling to compromise. Um, marriage is one huge, big compromise. So someone who's uncompromising and unwilling to sacrifice, that's not going to work. Um, what else? I think those are the major ones. And someone who's not willing to communicate. If you're if you're willing to communicate and be honest and open and transparent, usually you can figure everything else out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The open and the flexibility because <laughs> with many African men, it's interesting because it's like as a as someone that's that was born here and raised here. You mm-hmm. kind of want some of those traditional values, you know, like right. you want to be the lead and all that. 
but you also, again, you want him to be able to express himself. You want him to right. be able to communicate. You want him, and those aren't really traditional right. <laughs> values. Yes, so it's yes. Like, it's almost like- It's a constant battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's almost like, they're like, no, you can't have it all. You either have to have a completely traditional man or a completely modern man. It's like, what? <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, no, that that's so true. That is so true. Yeah. And I think I think what's really important in those situations is figure out what works for you in your household. I think a lot of times people look at what other people are doing. Well, they do it this way, or they do it this way, or traditionally it looks like this. Pick what works for you. Maybe some some of the traditional cultural things we can incorporate. Some of them we can't. Whatever, whatever works for us in our situation is what should be done. But I don't think people look at it that way. You have to figure out what your normal is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to customize yeah. for your own household. Because again, a lot of people are like, well, you know, my mother always did this. So my wife has to do this. My dad always did this. So, you know. Oh, <laughs> yes, I did not realize how much that played into our relationship too until we were in counseling. Because this mother was very, um, you know, traditional. She was, she cooked, she, she took care of the household. And I don't do those things. <laughs> I don't cook. We had a housekeeper. <laughs> expectation like I just cannot but I would do the same thing with him like my father did a lot of things that I expected from a man and I was putting I was putting those expectations on him as well and we would clash a lot because of that and I didn't realize until we were encountering that that's what we were doing neither one of us really realized that so that was a real Mm. eye-opener for us yeah how we how we grow up has a huge impact on on how we function With people, you know, like myself, right? Let's say, you know, Dana Feller, <laughs> you're thinking about moving to the next step. So <laughs> what are some of the questions that I should be asking of him? You know, in the in the fashion that we discussed earlier, right? Not asking him to bring all his financial statements. And- <laughs> what are some of those general questions? Like you have to know how they feel about this, you know, or else it could cause some issues. Um, I just like to ask people, like, what is your five-year vision? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? That will tell you so much. <laughs> um, I also look at, so it's not even just asking questions. It's also making observations. So if we go out on a date, I'm looking to see, are you paying for this date? Who do you think should pay for dates? Do you tip? I always look at if they tip, how much they tip. Um, are they, how do they spend their money? Do they seem like a very materialistic type person or if they are, can they afford that lifestyle? I remember when I was younger, a lesson I learned very young was just because they drive a nice car does not <laughs> mean they have money. Like one guy I found out was living in his car. Um, <laughs> yeah, I found that out later. Um, so material things don't necessarily mean anything. A lot of times that that is why they don't, <laughs> they don't have anything to show. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, we, right. exactly. Or ask them how they grew up with money. Um, yeah. You can gauge a lot from that as well. How, you know, how, my, how money was managed in their household. With us, with my family, we were... We were lower middle class for probably about the first half of my life. And then we were middle, middle class. But that, how we grew up, like 
I still take a lot of those principles with me to this day. My parents were very much um, all about, you know, having a strong work ethic, Mm -hmm. saving a little money for a rainy day, having good credit. And so I took those principles into, you know, into adulthood. And they just taught me a lot of lessons. I was telling someone the other day that when I was younger, I wanted, uh, we were going back to school and I wanted new school clothes. And my mom told me we couldn't afford it. And so she sat me down. She showed me how much my dad was making. He was the one working at the time and showed me the monthly expenses that came out. And there was like $20 left at the end of the month. And I started crying and I was scared. I thought we were going to be homeless. And at that point, I decided I would never, ever live paycheck to paycheck. I was considering dating a guy once and he was telling me, you know, how he grew up with money and how his mother is constantly asking for money constantly, like for large, large sums of money. She always blows it with gambling and different things like that and how he couldn't move forward because of his mother, you know? So just, just asking people about their background, how they grew up, and it'll give you, that can a lot of times, you know, let you know how, how they are as well, or how that formed, you know, their money mindset and how they think about money. Hmm. Yeah, these are a lot of really important things to consider even before engagement. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Once you start talking engagement, I, you should have already had those discussions because how do you know you want to be engaged to this person if you haven't had those discussions or if you hadn't been making those observations? How, how are you saying yes to a ring and you have no idea what you're, you, you know nothing about how they feel on certain issues? Trust me, I know I was there. I called up my wedding because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching 90 Day Fiance the other day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about people who have not even spoken to each other in complete senses. Like, I'm in love. I don't want to get married. And it's oh, like, wow. What? <laughs> it's so much more than, and I'm glad you said that because a lot of people, that's all they're thinking about. I love this person. We're going to have a future together, but they're not thinking about all that that entails, you know? Mm-hmm. They they don't even consider that until they're married and now they're trying to figure out who's paying the bills, you know, Thing, things of that nature. And yeah, it's just too late at that point. Absolutely. Yes. And yeah. And so, you know, this is again, this is a lot to absorb. And this isn't like a one day thing where, you know, you talk about finances once and then that's it. You just go about your way. No, no, no. So, yeah, and so I'd be really interested in learning more about um, your program and who it's designed for and how people can sign up if, you know, if they're dating someone and they're interested in it. Yeah, so um, as I mentioned before, two of the, or maybe, so one of the issues that we had was cultural differences. It was very hard to find a financial therapist or any kind of program that address that and then also it was very hard all all of the all of the programs and counselors talked about financial finances but it was very very high level it was not useful at all one of the books that i had it was only there was only two pages on personal finance and i think one of the pages was a quiz um so my course is going to focus on financial planning strictly only financial planning and it'll have a focus also on people from different cultures And it's a group uh, coaching program. It's going to start in January. And we are going to discuss everything from prenups to budgeting to deciding what your vision is. That's one of the first things that we have to figure out is what the couple's vision is for their household and for their future and for their kids. So we'll, we'll talk about that. 
We'll talk about who's going to pay bills, how we merge accounts. Do you want to merge accounts? We're going to talk about loaning friends and family money. We're going to get really deep oh, yes. into all the issues. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to go deep into all those issues that you're going to have to encounter encounter once you're married. So yes, that begins in January 2022. I'm enrolling for that now if you want to sign up for a um, consultation to see if you or get fit for the program, you go to my website at leahmariecollins.com and we can do a consultation to see if it's a good fit for you. And it's for people who are considering engagement. Um, It's also for people who are already engaged as well, or people who just are in long-term relationships. Everyone doesn't want to get married, but some people just, you know, want to have a a lifelong partner. Nice. Okay. That's what's up. Yeah, that, yeah, that seems really, you know, I think that is just so important because I too find that sometimes when um, there's discussion about um, finances, even within a marriage, it's very much, it just seems very surface and it doesn't talk about the compatibility of the two people and how they can, you know, form their own plan together, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's just very like, okay, get a budget and stick to it and go about your business. Mm-hmm. But it's like, wait, 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 wait. There's human yeah. beings with emotions and trauma right. and backgrounds. And so, yeah, that yeah. excites me. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so for all listeners, you're dating somebody, you're thinking they, they might be someone special. I suggest <laughs> you get into the program. Absolutely. Yes. Or if you just want to decide if you're financially compatible, I also have um, a financial compatibility quiz on that website, Leah Marie Collins as well. Yes, please take that. (laughs) So yeah, the first question, often loan money to family and friends. Um, The second question, I I financially support a parent and that obligation will continue after marriage. Um, The third question, I pay child support or alimony and those obligations will continue after marriage. I would like to eventually quit my job and pursue entrepreneurship. I believe that children should get allowances. Um, I believe in giving to charity. I save money for my paycheck regularly, just things like that. Um, I regularly invest outside of my retirement account. I believe that bills should be split 50-50. I am actively trying to build generational wealth. I want to retire early. Just things like questions like that that need to be discussed so that (laughs) <laughs> I believe that both partners should work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Those are all really good questions and things that I don't think we're considering when we're, you know, kind of blinded by love, if you will. Right. I heard a statistic today that four out of 10 couples do not know what their partner makes. Basic oh. things like that. Yes. Four out of 10. Yes. Oh my gosh. What? People really aren't having these discussions. Dang. Yeah. 40%? What? Yes. How? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Wow. People are scared to ask because a lot of people, Hmm. when it comes to income and especially prenups, if they're, so let's, let's talk about prenups, for example. A lot of people who have a lot of assets and wealth, they don't want to bring up that discussion because they don't want to seem greedy. Mm. And the people who don't have a lot of wealth, they don't want to bring up prenups because they're going to sound like a gold digger. You know, a lot of it is just, 
it's very uncomfortable to talk about. Very, very uncomfortable to talk about. So people aren't talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't talk about it. <laughs> right, right. They just move ahead and just hope everything turns out fine. I heard, a, oh my gosh, I heard a horrible story. This actually happens a lot, but recently one of my friends, um, her uncle died suddenly and the wife she didn't know how to pay the bill she didn't have access to any of the money so she's grieving she's mourning she's trying to pay this pay the funeral costs she's trying to access the money get in the bank accounts to pay for this stuff and she couldn't it took a while to get all of that resolved so it's really important (laughs) again to Mm -hmm. to talk about all of this stuff up front yeah we gotta stop being scary our lives literally depend on it yeah mm-hmm. yeah estate planning that's something that's very important too um i've had people i've seen clients disagree on that um and if you have children it's especially important <laughs> because yeah. if you don't figure it out the courts decide like who your kids go to you know mm-hmm yeah. Oh, yeah. Discussing all this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is super important. Yeah, because I, um, I had a friend of mine, and her husband passed away, you know, unexpectedly. But he literally, like, he he held them down. Like when he passed away, like he had kept like so much money for them. Like their their kids don't struggle. Like I was like, man, I have so much respect for him because. He, he knew, I mean, like he knew, like if something were to happen, like I need a whole, I need to make sure that, you know, my family is good and I just, I commend it. So it's never too early y'all. I know it's not fun thinking about your mortality, but you know, like it's, it's real. You really, really have to. Absolutely. Wow. Well, oh Leah, you have given me a lot to chew on and I... <laughs> <laughs> These are all just really good pointers and tips on, you know, just the different types of things you should consider when you are dating, when you are in the engagement stage. And then also like even into marriage, you should, you should continue to have these conversations. And so when you look back on, you know, your journey, you know, just your life as a whole, like either, uh, you know, professionally or personally, or a little bit of both, do you have anything that you wish you might've done differently or? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that- <laughs> um, not getting engaged. <laughs> I wish I had said no to the ring. <laughs> yes, that's the <laughs> other one is just not wasting so much time you know all that time yeah. we dated from the time I was 24 to 35 my youth <laughs> basically had we had these discussions up front it wouldn't have even gotten that far so just value your time <laughs> and and just have just have the discussions just do it it's uncomfortable but it's always going to be uncomfortable until you initiate the discussion absolutely awesome and so do you um do you currently have like any mantras or any like um, pieces of advice or affirmations that kind of like keep you going and keep you positive? <laughs> no, right now I am raising a 10 month old. 
by myself. So I am she just is my affirmation. <laughs> I am taking it day by day. So when we called out the engagement, I found out I was pregnant <laughs> shortly after that. Um, so yeah, right now we were talking about this earlier. Co-parenting in itself is a struggle. So that's even more reason to have these have these discussions early and start talking about money so, so that you can make sure your relationship lasts so that you don't have to co-parent so that you can raise your kids I don't like to say a broken home but you know so you can raise your your kids in a two-parent household if that makes sense where you have two earners and you have that help and you have that assistance so that that's another huge piece of advice because you don't want your kids to be in the middle of that absolutely yes that is a Great piece of advice. And so uh, my next wrap-up question, you know, it's a bit of a lighter one. Uh, do you have a favorite food or a favorite drink that you like? Oh my gosh, I like all foods. Um, I had to pick one. Can I do a cuisine, a specific type of cuisine? Yeah, definitely, that's cool. <laughs> okay, probably Vietnamese food. I love Vietnamese. Well, maybe Nigerian food, actually. I really love Nigerian food, too. Okay, okay. You know, um, Ghana, you know definitely wins the jollof wars i don't care what nobody say you know what i'm saying but yes african food is definitely delicious <laughs> so good oh my god so good i'm a foodie i love to eat everything oh leah this has been so so good thank you so much where can the good people reach you on the internets and such um they can uh, see me on social media on Instagram. Um, my handle is at the Leah Marie Collins, or they can go to my website, www.leahmariecollins.com. All right. There you have it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, Leah, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And another one. Oh, I hope you all enjoyed this that episode as much as we enjoyed recording it um as you could tell me and Leah you know we're kikiing a bit but I mean I just appreciate her and her vulnerability and her candidness and her humor um regarding you know just her situation and you know now being a mother I think we'll have a follow-up episode let me know if y'all want a follow-up episode on co-parenting I think it's important um but yeah, this episode is just, was fantastic. And I think if I had one major takeaway, it would just be to have these conversations as early as you deem necessary. Um, once you've kind of identified that someone might be, you know, might be someone you want to spend the rest of your life with, start having these conversations before rings start, you know, start popping up before you walk down the aisle. Um, yeah, that would be my major takeaway. So I hope y'all enjoyed it. Let me know um, all your thoughts and yeah. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also, feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? <laughs> I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.